Hello friends, and welcome to another episode of Crunch Time with Caitlin. In this episode, I'm going to be joined by my buddy Alex, and we're going to be... So I hope you stick around and enjoy the podcast. All right, what's up, Alex? How's it going, buddy? Oh, man, the pod that no one thought was ever going to happen. I guess that did really freeze over. (laughs) I mean, it really did. It really did. I mean, you know, 2020 has just been a crazy-ass year. So it's like, you know, why not bring uh, the... the, the, uh, the, well, the former sports genius, former host of After Further View, now retired from broadcasting. So, yeah, why not? Well, I got to admit, you know, your your goodbye show with Andy on the the Browns the the Browns draft uh, Twitter uh, yeah. Zoom call that was just it, it was incredible, and it and it really like kind of lit a fire underneath my ass, and was like, you know what, let's let's. Let's start back up the podcast. I'm and- glad it, I'm glad to because I missed this pod. I really did. And I'm glad it's back and I've been listening in. And I I kind of was hoping you'd ask me at some point, go like, did hell really freeze over? No, we'll it, see. It really, <laughs> it really did. It really did. So as you heard in the intro, um, we're gonna be talking Indians baseball. We're gonna be talking tribe. What else? Yeah. <laughs> and it and I am I mean, I'm I'm happy it's with you because me and you, we nerd out, we we DM oh. all the time, like oh, like you know, this guy, uh, this guy's get lighting it up for you know Chicago. This guy's lighting it up for this guy. You know, oh, Gavin yeah. Lux just got sent down. Like, oh, is this <laughs> gonna be a potential Indian strip? <laughs> Conspiracy you know, theories. Yeah, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. But uh, to, just to break it all down, just breaking down the Indians as of right yeah. now and actually maybe right going now. back maybe going back uh you know yeah where where we projected the team at the start of the year when they were going to play 162 games compared to now so um, yeah I mean if you want to go right into that I mean so back in spring training I, I think the big thing going back then was for me that was most exciting was from Neil Reyes um I was at Tribe Fest this year um just I, I go every year to that thing and I remember you know seeing him off in the distance because you can't miss from you I mean he's six five and the number one thing I actually went with my dad and I looked at my dad I said you remember from last year he's like the big guy he was like yeah I was like look at him he's skinny oh my god could he play the outfield and it was sounding like he was going to be ready and he was crushing the ball too um, it sounds like now, um, with injuries and with him being at a birthday party of his over the 4th of July, not wearing a mask, um, just circumstances are going to move him to BDH, but it, it goes into the main point of injuries that were happening and guys recovering. We talk about Mike Clevenger who got injured. It looked like he was going to be gone the first month. Um, Tyler Naquin, you know, who was not expected back. I mean, a torn ACL in August, you're looking at at least 10 to 12 months. So maybe beginning of June, he starts rehab. Now he's ready day one. Uh, There were questions about where Carrasco was going to be. I mean, now these guys have had time to recover and we're now fully healthy. 
Um, so that's one of the things, you know, going from the 162 game season, me personally, you know, I'm, I'm the hopeless optimist. I'm like, you know, I'm always hopeful that, you know, teams are not going to play as well at first and maybe we'll start off hot and then guys will come back and we'll just stay hot and run our way through. But if you look at the injuries and everything, you had to, you know, tamper your expect expectations, um, you know, looking at the roster. Um, knowing that there were holes in it and knowing that there were big question marks. Now, yeah, maybe there are question marks, but there are with every team. Um, there aren't as many. Clevenger looks to be healthy. He's getting his repetition back with his delivery. Um, I like the story of him and Plesak working together and how it's helped Plesak. Um, Naquin's now back, and he looks to be healthy. Um, Bradley Zimmer, the shocker of the entire uh uh, spring training 2.0 healthy. Uh, his stance is so much better for his swing because I, I don't know if a lot of people watched the game last night, but one of the things I noticed is his hands are back now in his stance. And if you didn't notice before, they were closer to him. And for those of you who don't understand hitting as much with his long arms, the way his stance was, he had to load up twice in order to get around on the ball. And with his arms, that's never going to happen. It's going to be a long swing. He won't be able to catch up to a fastball. Now the way his hands are, which is almost like a Kipnis-esque stance almost, his hands are back. They're already loaded up and ready to go, which means all he has to do is stride and swing at the ball. And clearly it's showing a smoother, quicker swing. And also Zimmer's healthy. So the team right now, I don't want to – be you know hyping them up too much but i'm actually kind of impressed where we're at um the i mean savali pitched 100 pitches in the second uh uh inner squad game uh beebs has looked great um Plesak looked solid the other night i mean i'm kind of excited for the team now and think they're in a better place and you have to give credit to Tito because Tito sent an interview with the press that he told the guys work out like as if, you know, we're still in spring training. Because if we're off one day when we come back, think of it as equaling we're two weeks behind for every day that you aren't ready. And it was like, whoa, he, he's five steps ahead on this. Like, again, it's great to have a veteran manager like Tito. Um, who understands, you know, the mental aspect and the training aspect. And it seems like the message was sent to the team and the team is at that level where they're ready to go against the Royals on Friday. Well, I think, um, I think it just proves that how great Tito is as a manager. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's a, I mean, number one, he's the best in baseball. L- yes. Look, looking at, looking at his tenure in Cleveland, um, I think it's crazy that, He's, I think, less than uh, like 90 wins away from being the all-time winningest manager in Cleveland. I know, it's crazy. He's he's never had a season under 500 uh, in Cleveland, which is, I mean, looking back on like the 2014-2015 the seasons, I mean, that those were not good. They, they were, 2013. Yeah. I mean, I mean alone. I mean, he was yeah. coming off the Manny Acta years where Acta just did not get the team motivated and right away. 
team yeah. was competing and fought for it fought in the wild card game. Wild card game, exactly. And I mean, and even in their like I said, their their rebuild years in, in fourteen and fifteen, like they were still competitive. I mean, Brant I mean, yeah. in fourteen, Brantley was third in the MVP. Kluber was uh, I think he, that's the year he won the Cy Young. So mm-hmm. I mean it's it's I mean it's credit to Tito and credit to um you know the front office, you know. Yeah, front office does an outstanding job oh, from the top doubt. down. I mean, everybody can say whatever they want. I will go to bat and say they have the best front office in baseball, which a lot of people forget this fact. If you look at a couple of teams around the league, their GM started in one location. They were all in one building at one point. Minnesota, Milwaukee, their GMs came from Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot another one. Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. (laughs) Ross Adkins. I mean, yeah, Mark took him, but hey, you know, it doesn't matter. They these guys at one point, if you think about it, there were six GMs, a former or present GMs, in that building at once. It's crazy. That is yeah. incredible to think about, and it's something that I would bet around baseball. Everyone keeps their eye out, going like, okay, what are they doing here? And what can we do to improve ourselves? So that's something that, you know, a lot of fans don't realize is that the front office does an outstanding job of evaluating talent, developing talent. And when they get to the big leagues, they have a guy in Tito that regardless of what you may think of him, he knows how to handle the locker room. He knows how to keep a team motivated and focused on winning. And that might be the most important thing you need in the manager. I mean, really, the only knock on Tito is, you know, at times he he just kind of trusts his veteran players instead of giving young younger guys a chance. But I mean, even that, it's it's still when you're winning. To, it's still kind when of when you're a winning play. team, though. When exactly. you're a winning team, though, sometimes you just you just do that because you know the veterans have been there and you don't know what the young players have. I mean, trust me, I love Gio Urshela. I loved Jesus Aguilar. I love John D. Diaz. And there were, I mean, all of them are doing great elsewhere. Um, you know, it's a woulda, coulda, shoulda when it comes to these guys. If Tito plays them, are they the same? Who knows? We'll never know the answer to that. Um, but it's good for them that, you know, they're playing well elsewhere. And I think it also goes to show, you know, the pipeline that Cleveland has built over the years that even when they leave, they do well elsewhere. Yeah. And, like, going back to, you know, the reason why I think the Indians are going to have some success in this very shortened season, um, number one, Tito, obviously. And, and number two, you, as you were bringing up, the pitching. Mm-hmm. You have – if you have the pitching that you can win two out of three ball games, You're in good shape. You're in, you're in and excellent I've, shape. And I've looked at this schedule, and this is another reason why I am very optimistic. That last month, I think there's one series against Minnesota, and depending on what, where the Tigers, Royals are, I think you got like one series against Minnesota and two against Chicago. The rest are really against Kansas City, Detroit, and Pittsburgh. If you're in position going into September, this is where I'm the most you know, optimistic. Like that first month or so is not going to be easy, but if they're in position and Detroit and Kansas City just say, you want to know what? 
and this is something a lot of people don't understand with the 2021 draft. If it's worst record in baseball, there is a reason to tank, and his name is Kumar Rocker out of Vanderbilt, a pitcher. Those teams could say, we're tanking. You know, we're, we're going to tank for Kumar Rocker. And you know what? I wouldn't blame them one bit. And if you're the Indians, you could sit back and say, you want to what? We can sweep these guys. They're going to tank for Kumar. And guess what? We win, and we might be able to steal the division. Oh, without a doubt. Without a yeah. doubt. And, and that's also hoping that, you know, Francisco Lindor is still on the roster in September also. Well, those are all just – I mean, those are just all hypothetical scenarios. Right. right. I mean, one of the big things about this 60-game season is really no one's going to be out of it no. by the trade deadline. No. Nope. So it's it's really going to create – and we'll get to Lindor's stuff here in a minute. Um, Lindor trade stuff, one, first off, I love Frankie Lindor. I want him to stay in Indian the rest of his oh, life. Oh, both, both of us are um, in agreement Every – I think, and I'm going to say this one thing. If you don't think that anyone in that building doesn't want Frankie Lindor to stay an Indian for the rest of his life and aren't trying to, you're crazy. Yeah. Because I, I I can't sit here and say as a fan that they aren't doing everything they can, not to just, not to just appease the fan, but they know how big of a name he is what he brings to the table, not just on the field, but off the field and what he's done for the organization off the field. I think, you know, and as people know me in the past, I knew Mark Shapiro when he was here and I sort of saw what kind of environment he brought to the table. And I would assume I've never met Chris Antonetti in my life. Uh, wish I had, uh, but you know, never has happened, but you know, I would assume knowing Mark and handing it over to Chris, Chris runs a similar, you know, environment there. They value that stuff. If you guys don't think they're not trying everything in their power um, to keep Francisco Lindor an Indian and you go on with your normal takes, I think you're kind of crazy because I just don't, don't see that as a fan. So I'm just going to say that. Um, and again, like with me being out of the game, you know, broadcasting, I, I want to add this. It's allowed me to look at things through a different lens, you know, just not every week preparing and talking Indians and just sitting back, looking at the bigger picture and allowing me to take it all in. And I just sit here and every time I say to myself, I can't buy that they're not trying everything in their power. So I'm just going to say that for the fans. That's my theory. I have nothing to base this off of. It's just a gut feeling because I've seen it before in the past. They tried it with Tommy. It didn't work out. They tried it with CeCe. It didn't work out. The track record says they probably are trying. The question is, will they ever get it done? Which that remains to be the question. So that's just my theory. Again, nothing to base off of except you know, past occurrences with past big name players they've tried to resign. I have a question for you. Do you think yeah. it would optics wise, do you think it would be better for the Indians to sign Lindor and become basically the 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 Angels, where you have one of the best players in the game, yet 
you're always just just outside of the playoff picture or trading Lindor and just retooling like like they've done before and you know just being I'm, a I'm torn on this question. I'm really to- slash World Series contender. I have been torn on this question for so long because I can imagine I Trust me, there's a reason why I stopped talking Indians on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Because in the past, I was elite Indians Twitter. And when I saw that, I was like, I'm done. I, I, I'm 100% retired talking about them on Twitter because I'd rather just talk about privately with people who know, like you, that know the passion that I have for the team. So that's why I've retired talking Indians on Twitter. You want to talk about Indians with me? DM me. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if... Um, but anyways, in terms of the optics, look, I see it every single day. The optics of letting Lindor go are going to be catastrophic. I could, I could only imagine what they would be. My theory is this. I do like some of the young guys coming up and you know me as well as anyone that I've projected this division out the next five years. I'm going to say this. I want Lindor here. I get your point with the Mike Trout thing. In two years, you will not finish better than fourth place, I think, with the way the White Sox are building, the Twins are building, because they haven't even had Royce Lewis or Alex Kirilov arrive yet. They got more on the Mm -hmm. way. Um, The Tigers potentially have a five-man ace rotation Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson. I, the Tigers are going to be a monster here soon. And I think Kansas City with Bobby Wood Jr. and others, they're going to be a problem. I mean, the AL Central is going to be an all-out war. I'm not saying the Indians can't win the division, but I'm just looking at these teams. And I'm like, one, it's great for the division, but God, it's going to be a bloodbath. And maybe – and this is where I lean towards, but it's, it's like 55, 45, you know, for me to do this, I'd rather trade Lindor because I see the bloodbath that is coming. And I'm not saying tank, but it might be best to sit back and wait and say, you want to know what you guys, you guys all fight when you guys can't resign everybody. We're going to be ready and we'll rise from the ashes, and we'll take over again. That's where I'm at. I'm thinking five, six years ahead instead of two years ahead where, yeah, fans will be happy, but let's be honest here, okay? You're a fan too. You've re-signed Lindor to a 10-year deal. You're stuck in a Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, Albatross contract, and you're not winning. But more importantly... You can't move that contract to really anyone except the Yankees or the Dodgers, and you have to eat some of that money, and you're getting a Giancarlo Stanton-like trade where you're not getting a ton back, but you're getting the the contract off the books. No one's going to be happy with that. You're losing and you're trading Lindor for less than his value? I mean, no one would be happy. I think, but I, I really the only thing I... I probably I probably disagree with is if you sign him to like a ten year deal right now he he's what twenty he's twenty six right now 
So mm-hmm. going into that 10th year, he'll be 36, 37. Now, if the if the plan is to basically only have him for like four or five more years and then end up trading him like in like a, in, in a Giancarlo Stanton trade where you're just trying to get money off the books, then fine. You know, I'm, I'm all for getting what you can, whether it's in August or, okay. or in the off season. But if you're, if you're telling me that the Indians might be the, the fourth best team in the, in the league or in the division mm-hmm. going forward in the next handful of years, then why not? sign Francisco Lindor at least you have if you're going to struggle and be the fourth best team at least you have your guy that is true I mean you have your guy and you look good I mean that's the big thing agents players everyone will look at you in a better light that is the big positive of signing Lindor to the contract that's one of the bigger things I just don't know if again You know me, again, as well as anyone. I think like a GM probably to a fault. Right. I I just look at that contract and I would say to myself, geez, if I spend $40 on Frankie Lindor a year, I can't really build anything else around him. He's not going to be happy with losing. I'm going to create a problem and, you know, I'm going to have to move him. And that may go to your point of get what you can for him. I I just am still torn the idea. It's 55-45 for me. I want Frankie here forever. I just keep looking at this division. I mean, I we were talking about Luis Robert the other day, like how wowed we are with them. Yeah. Um, we don't even talk about Eloy Jimenez. No. We don't even talk about Yohan Moncada. And, you know, the Twins, you know, with their lineup and the fact that they probably have to trade Jorge Polanco in like a year or two just so they have room for Royce Lewis to arrive. It's like, wow, that's actually pretty cool. And I just keep looking at that Tigers potential rotation in complete awe. Like, wow. (laughs) I actually am kind of jealous of them right now. If they can piece it all together at the right time, they have five guys all under, you know, control and all pitching their full capabilities. I'm looking at, five aces and I'm like oh boy that is it's just gonna be tough yeah it's that it'll it'll definitely be tough but I just it's just disappointing because like when you when you look at like their payroll and it's like around like 80 million and and you Mm -hmm. just you see the you see the optics of them I it's I think they were like 25th or 26th in the league when it comes to payroll and Mm -hmm. you know even boosting up to like 120 that's still that's still on the bottom half of the league. That's still like 18th or 19th. And it's just like, like that's what you would need to, to sign Lindor long-term. And, and I still, and I think, you know, to, I think what Lindor said uh, back in spring training, the, the first one, um, which was, you know, about 120 million to, to sign me and to build a, a competent roster around. I, I would around- agree with Frankie to a degree. I would agree with him to a degree. That's for right now. If he gets a 40, I, I just keep seeing a market that is inflating. I think he is hypothetically correct in this present era. In, I would say, four to five years, I would say 150 is needed. 
to do that because you look at relievers. Relievers that are pitching maybe one inning are getting what eleven? What did Miller get? Like eleven million a year? Yeah, in an off to year? get a guy in your bullpen. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It, his salaries are inflating. So I get Lindor's point, but I also look at, you know, he's potentially going to get $35, $40 million. Um, Trout's getting close to that. And Harper got, you know, a little bit less than that, but he got a 12-year deal out of it. We're just seeing a time where salaries are inflating so much and with no salary cap. Oh, and by the way, Garrett Cole's getting $35 million a year to pitch every, every fifth, fifth day. day. Exactly. I mean, So I get it, and he is kind of correct now, but in terms of my evaluation, a couple years, that number is going to go up. That number is going to go way up because everything's inflating. So would it it maybe behoove uh, Lindor to sign with whatever team, with whoever team, you know, whoever, like a a seven-year deal, but – and opt out after three and then become a free agent at 30 or 29. If I were him, and this is yeah, just me yeah, talking, just... that's a, I would, I, I would sign almost a similar deal to what Nolan right. are. Like a seven year, like 250 million. I think it was. That's what I would do simply because if he's entering age 29, 30 and he's still performing the way he is, which he should, everybody's going to want him. I mean, everybody's going to line up and say, here's a 10-year deal. Finish your career here. You know, just sign on the dotted line. And he'd get everything he wanted. And in that contract negotiation, whatever it may be, he won't take an opt-out. He'll say, no, 10 yeah. years or else. And that it, that's how I would do because I'm guessing that's what Arenado's plan has been, which he'd be, what, 30-31 when this contract right. of his ends? But Let's let's be honest. He's the modern day Michael Schmidt, who is a Gold Glover and a gosh darn amazing hitter. I mean, take away you take away Cruz Field doesn't really matter. The guy's that good. Um, he's one of my personal favorites in the league. Um, but that guy is going to fetch thirty five million if you're getting that run production at his age and a Gold Glover. I mean everyone's going to line up. And and here's the other thing. So that's, that's, that's an idea that I think Lindor should consider, but if he's smart at his age and knowing what the market is, he should really sit there and say, no, Bryce got this. Why should I settle for it? No, I, I, and yeah, I he's right. And, and, and here's, and you know, maybe something that we didn't really factor. I just kind of thought of it right now. If, the entire league is going to go to a universal DH that opens up another Mm -hmm. 15 teams that would be willing to sign someone to a longer term deal and go Mm -hmm. into a, a, you know, know, like towards the end of his contract, as long as he's hitting well, if he doesn't have to play the field, they keep exactly. He doesn't have to play the, he doesn't have to play the field every day. Well, he could DH at, you know, 39, 40, 41 years old. And, you know, as long as he hits, I mean, like I said, as long as he hits around 285 and, you know, runs into 25 home runs, we we could see that. Yeah. It's going to just make more, you know, 
a giant market, whether it's for Lindor, whether it's for, you know, Nolan Arenado towards the end of his career, you know, a lot of these players that, you know, maybe, maybe these bigger market teams are, would be willing to go, you know, the extra couple years just to ensure them signing a guy. Because I think, I think yeah. the reason why Albert Pujols didn't finish his career in uh, St. Louis is St. because Louis. they saw that and were like, we're, we we can't throw out Albert Pujols at 38 yep. years old at playing first base. Like, we just can't do that. All due oh, respect without, to Albert. I mean, he's, he's oh, one of the all-time it. greats. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Love him to death. I hope he gets to 700. But, yeah, you're not you're throwing not him out at first base at this point. And, 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 and the Angels no, aren't it, well, either. That's, that's so. my point. It's like, well, they, they saw it and were like, well, we'll give him more money. And also know, and we'll and we'll and just, also know, you know that towards the end of his career, yeah. he's he'll be the DH long term. So yeah, yeah. And one thing just to counter that, we also have to see how these you know collective exactly. bargaining agreements that was my, and negotiations my go. Yeah, so we'll see how those go. Um, you know, I'm hopeful that they'll reach a conclusion and a an agreement by the time that it expires because. All I'll just say is I think it's in the game's best interest that, and I'm hoping that as much as I've long feared a work stoppage because of the collective bargaining agreement, I hope the coronavirus time period has shown both sides how important it is to just get on the field, get a deal done. Let's not have this problem again. We've had it once. We can't have it again. Let's really try to work together on this and avoid this situation and prove everyone wrong that we can come up with an agreement. And you want to what we move forward with the game. And if that, and if that happens, you want to what everybody that will complain about what happened, you know, over this break, we're going to look back at this moment, the disagreements that they had and just coming to the resolution that they have now as the turning point of the collective bargaining agreement negotiations, as they both realized they can't turn the public away like this and they resolve it. So maybe there is good that comes out of all of this for baseball. I mean, I think we all hope so. Cause we just, you know, we just love the game, but I think there's, I can't imagine a second stoppage yeah, in mean, three years I mean, without baseball. I can't. I, 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 I don't, don't even want to fathom it. Right I don't now want as to either because if, if that if that were to happen, like you could just you could kiss the goodwill. I don't even. I don't. I don't even. I don't even want to go I, into. I, I don't even want to go into theories with that. I mean, if we go real quick, I'll go into this. The thing that really saved the '94 strike, and a lot of people have said this, were two things. Number one was Cal Ripken breaking Lou Gehrig's uh, record. That was one of the things that brought the fans back. And what Ripken did, you know, going around the stadium after breaking the record and hitting the home run when the game became official, that we could argue saved baseball. That was the beginning of the healing. And then what the Mariners did, saving it in Seattle with that dramatic, you know, win against New York. That was, again, beginning of the healing. And say what you want about McGuire and Sosa. They finished oh, healing. With, without a doubt. Which is why so, the, the bigger yeah, issue with so, the whole steroid era is I ha- what, what I have about it is, you know, looking at it, it's, it's 
the the hypocrisy of MLB just turning a blind eye. Just of them knowing that a lot of these players were juicing, not not putting anything in place really to 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 stop it, but also benefiting a ton from it because of the the stoppage in '94 and losing a little bit of the, of the season in '95, and then you know ten years later in what '05 or '06 the Mitchell report comes out, and mm-hmm. you know you you got everybody's favorite player. You know, going, going, uh, having to go on record. You know, it's just, it's just. I mean, and, and well, you know, like you, you know, you know, they're lying, but it's also like the MLB knew too. So it's just like who? It's just whatever the reason was for all. It, whatever everyone's reason is, at the end of the day, I sit here and say, you know, it breaks my heart that some had to use it. It mm-hmm. breaks my heart. Um, do I forgive them? Sure. I mean, they were my childhood. I I can't sit here and say, do I think the records should be changed? I'm going to say possibly because, you know, they're just, I can't, I I just still consider some records as the records, but that's just me. Um, in terms of baseball side, I really don't care if they knew or not, because at this point, when it goes back to 94, you needed yeah, it. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't I even care if Bud Selig knew or not, because you want to know what? If it weren't for the steroid era, the game doesn't get the popularity back. Without a doubt. So I, I don't really, I'm not even going to blame anyone at this point, because I look back at that era as a magical era. I mean, I was there for the home run derby in 97, and I just remember McGuire launch, and he only hit a couple, but mm-hmm. the ones he launched, and one of them was literally in my glove, <laughs> and an older fan stole it. When, so there was one he hit the center field. Um, there was a guard down there that I was talking to. I'm like six years old at the time. And he says, if a ball comes here, I'll throw it up to you in the bleachers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, sure. I was like, oh, shoot. Next thing I know, McGuire launches it. And I can show you which one it is mm-hmm. because it's the only one he hit out there. So you know where, um, you know, you walk underneath the bleachers and you walk right out, right near Legacy Village, yeah, at, at, right near Legacy Park? That's where the ball was hit. He hit it almost where Tommy hit it. You know, we hit the 511-foot bomb. Right. The guard is right there he got it and he threw it up to me because i couldn't believe mcguire did it i didn't think he'd do yeah. it that's about 460 470 feet away it, they still had the the shrubbery and the and the picnic tables out, out they did the and he hit it over he hit it over, he hit it over. that's 470 easy yeah, that's easy um <laughs> yeah so the guard gets it he throws it up to me it's in my glove. I'm six years old. Mm-hmm. And I'm using my dad's glove. I'm like, oh, my God, I got the ball. Some older guy whips it out of my glove and runs away with it. Damn. I have that Mark McGuire home run derby ball. So there's a little bit of love there for, like, you know, the McGuire stuff. I hate the guy, whoever he is. Uh, I hope he lost that <laughs> ball and he's crying over it. Um, I got to go to the home run derby last year with my dad, which that was, like, so much fun. Um <laughs> 
that I mean, I can't take that. Like seeing Blatt hit the scoreboard, wow. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, I, I going back to the steroid era. It's a part of the game. We can try to erase it, but for people like me who literally grew up in that era, we're not going to erase it. No, because I hold it so fondly. Whether it be McGuire and Sosa who did it, or Griffey, Tommy, and Larry Walker who it looks like didn't do it. Right. So and I mean, like, I mean, if you just paid attention even a little bit, like I, like I'm a, a few years younger than you, but like. Ken Griffey Jr. is still my favorite player ever. Like Jim Tomey, like he was Larry Walker's he, like like Jim Tomey was my favorite Indian until you know he broke my heart at you know six years, six seven years old. Hey, my my wife is my rock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just like you know, like those guys are just you know larger than life. And yeah, and just seeing like what they did and and how important they were to the game, and you know, seeing it, you know, then growing up you know, still following it and, you know, yeah. like being, even, even I, being a, as a kid is like, wait, why, what is this Mitchell report? And like, wait, all these yeah. guys were cheaters, but like, I just watched Barry Bonds hit, you know, 70, uh, 73 home runs. Yeah, he hit 73 homers. Yeah, like, I, I just saw him, you know, break Hank Aaron's record, like a record that nobody, you know, nobody thought was going to ever be broken. Yeah. And I will say this to fans who are mad about everything. I get why you're not excited to come back. I, I truly am. For me as a diehard, I can't live without the game. Oh, without the game is the game is literally my life. In fact, I've actually I've watched the show Cheers. And I've watched the ending. It's a beautiful ending. And spoiler alerts. So um, the guy who owns the bar comes back and he's looking to sell it. Doesn't know if he should. And then Norm, the drunk at the bar, um, he comes back and he says something about true love. You know, you'll always have your one true love. It will never hurt you. It will never, you know, break your heart. It'll never leave you. Um, But you'll love it wholly and unconditionally. It doesn't have to be a person. It can be a thing. It can be a place. It can be anything. Mm -hmm. And he, he looks at the bar after Norm leaves and he says, I'm the luckiest son of a bleep on the planet. And he says the bar is his love. And I watched and I was like, I'm, I, I literally grabbed the baseball. I'm like, I'm the luckiest son of a bleep on the planet. That That's it for me. Like, that is my first and only love. Like, baseball's it for me. So I get, I hope I'm, people understand my excitement and my optimism because I want that World Series trophy more than anyone. In the city. No, without a doubt. Maybe more than they, maybe more than anyone in that building, because I literally look at that trophy. I'm like, the precious, <laughs> and <laughs> I want it more than anything. But um, I just, I hope people, when this settles down, whether it be, you know, the name change, Lindor, the collective bargaining agreement. I hope people when the dust settles look at the moments that happen whether it be the indians or another team like the series of events we all look at that jose bautista home run where he flips the bat everybody forgets the series of events that happens before that where bautista should never have been up at the mm-hmm. plate like there were errors there were mistakes that 
Texas should have never made. And it leads to that. And I said, football doesn't do that. Basketball doesn't do that. Only baseball where you can make the simplest air that you normally shouldn't make leads to a catastrophic tilt the world, you know, tilt the world upside down, you know, and the game's over pretty much. And I mean, like, shit, we could. That's look, the way we baseball the, is. We could look at the 2016 World Series, that rain delay. We could I was about at, to say that. We could look at, you know, Steve they were Bart- down six nothing at. Yeah, I mean, but we go like, I'll say 2016, they were down 6 nothing in the first. Mm-hmm. They came back and tied that thing. Right. Then, as I say, the tears of 108 years of Cubs fans right. rained down on progressive for, field for five to give the Cubs their championship. And you want to know what? Fine, the baseball gods spoke. I'm not mad at them. I just look at the baseball gods. They say, next time, do not mess with me. <laughs> next time, it's our turn. I will let you Cubs have this one. Next time it's me. Deal? Deal. So that's I, – I hope fans give the game a chance. I know it can be long and boring, but don't lie to me. You go there and you have a great time at the corner alley, and you love the environment. You cheer on the team. It's it's never about the game when you go. I'm, I'm one of the few people – who takes in every little aspect of the game and tries to find the littlest thing wrong or pick up on something, 99% of fans are not that. You just go there to have a good time. I mean, I get the game is slow and it's long, but let's be honest, it's more time to get some beers and some drinks in you. Exactly. So I don't think you can can complain much about that. So I I hope the fans will be back. Um, I hope they give it a shot. Because we've endured much worse in Cleveland, I will say that much. Look at the right. Browns. I think. I think. <laughs> I think one last point I want to make is, you know, maybe to that. Yeah. Is, I think being kind of cooped up in our in our own little bubbles and not being able to yep. to go do what we want to do, I think. I think it's going to. I could see the Indians' attendance really, um, really. Uh, a significant jump uh, next year because people are, be so like, people are going to be like, all right, like, let's go do this because we weren't able to do this last year. You know, we took advantage yeah. of having 81 opportunities to, to go and, you know, go, oh yeah, we'll maybe go to this game or go to that game or whatever. But like, you know, make a more of a concerted effort to, to go to, you know, five to 10 games, maybe a year. If, and I would hope so to. because it's 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 a beautiful stadium. And if you didn't notice uh, from the game, they fixed the Indian sign. Although you know we might get into that talk <laughs> still, but hey, they fixed it, right? So, but it's one of the better stadiums in baseball. I don't think people appreciate it enough. Um, I love it, and I don't mean to be biased. I've been to some great stadiums in the past, and I still contest that. Cleveland should be right in there as one of the top 10 ballparks in baseball. All right. So segueing to actual like baseball talk and what's going to happen starting Friday. Yep. Um, let's just, let's just uh, go. Uh, let's just talk about the lineup. Okay. One. 
Cesar Hernandez leading off. Do you, do you like that, or yes. are you in the team? Or are you in the team of let Carlos Santana lead off like I am? Okay, so this is a stat not a lot of people have realized. Last year, Cesar did not play well because he was over aggressive at the plate. If you go back two years ago, uh, Cesar, as a lot of people have noticed, was a lot more of a patient hitter at the plate, um, and he hit better. Um, as we saw the other night uh, against Pittsburgh, uh, actually in both games, he's been a lot more patient, he's hitting well, and he provides speed at the top of the lineup. Something Carlos, I love Carlos, and I love Yeah, he his. doesn't have speed. I, yeah. love, I love his eye at the plate, and I know he can hit a home run to lead off a game, but I'm, I'm still in that old-school mindset. You want speed at the top of the lineup, and I like Tito's idea of, being aggressive on the base pads early on because no one's really had time to prep for to be heads up, mm-hmm. you know, early on. So I like that idea. Um, so Cesar, I like um, at the top. I think he's a solid hitter. Uh, he can draw walks, doesn't strike out a ton. He just gets on base. And that's honestly the very least I can ask for my leadoff here. And oh, by the way, he probably could steal in a 60 game season. I'll say 10 bases. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what you want. And, so, and, you know, probably, yeah, go on. Go on. Uh, well, I think that really the only issue with, with Hernandez, he, you know, he he maybe he, I think he could cut down the strikeouts a little bit more um, just based on the, um, you know, since he's not really a power hitter, but as long as he, we know he's going to hit around 280. Mm-hmm. He's going to walk. You know, whatever fifty times a year, you know, in one hundred sixty-two game season, yeah, yeah. in one hundred, yeah. How do, how do you math. break that down? To, yeah, exactly. I don't know how you're gonna break that down for a, you know, for a sixty game season. Yeah, but um, but Hernandez gonna lead off. J Ram hitting number two. I really like that. I like Lindor that too. Three, Lindor hitting three. I love that. Love um, it. He's your best hitter. You you hit your best hitter three. He can drive uh, in guys. So yeah, do it exactly. Santana hitting fourth. I love that. Uh, if yep. he's not hitting leadoff, I love him hitting fourth. Mm-hmm. Re- Reyes hitting fifth. You love having guys like J-Ram, Lindor, Carlos hitting in front of in front of them. You know, so he has... And these uh, are all guys that can work the counts. Exactly. These are guys that in the first inning, let's say hypothetically speaking, they don't mm-hmm. score a run. They have the ability to make a pitcher throw 30 to 40 pitches in an inning by themselves. Right. And that is something that, you know, in right now in a 60 game season where early on pitchers won't be able to go real long, that could be a huge benefit to the Indians to just knock pitchers out of games early, get relievers in early and get them tired. They could be at a huge advantage with the way this lineup is set up one through four and then, oh, by the way, you got the big thumper in Framio Reyes hitting fifth. And I think the other underrated part is um, your first four hitters are switch hitters. And yeah. it's the first time since I think I saw this stat, it was 1963 that the Dodgers had mm-hmm. uh, switch hitting, uh, all switch hitting infield, yep. uh, not including catcher. But um, yeah, which is, it's just super unique. And, and I think it, I think it locks down. No, I was for if they were gonna like re-sign Kipnis to a like a couple million dollar deal for him to be a, a bench bat or platoon bat, but going after Cesar and and uh, 
if you if you're if you're going if you weren't going to move J Ram to second long term, you're just gonna keep him at third. Then save mm-hmm. that for one year, I think is I think it's yeah, a great it's a very deal. fair deal. I mean put, with his you're gonna put his... him there. You don't have to worry about platooning. He's just gonna play second. He's he's a solid defender, you know. Yeah, I mean he, and his production's always been solid. So exactly. the deal they made, that's a good deal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then um so you have Reyes hitting fifth. Uh, sixth, it looks like it's going to be the platoon of either Naquin or um, Luplo or Luplo, yeah, in right field. And honestly, or that's fine with Santana me. In left field, I, depending on however they, they, uh, you know, however Tito wants to do it. Um, yeah, and I honestly, I, I'm calling my dark horse, you know, breakout guy, Jordan Luplo. That guy, he before his injury last year, he was starting to hit righties. People yeah, weren't was. realizing he was starting to. Like, he's already a lefty masher. This guy can play. And, oh, by the way, he has decent wheels on the base pads. Like, he can steal some bases and make a game interesting. Like, he is one of probably my favorite under-the-radar Indians on the team. And he's, like you said, you got he has the speed, and he's defensively, he's really, really solid. And he could play mm-hmm. all three outfield spots. Which, yeah. I mean, it's, it's good having the except the the extra handful of guys I, th- I think it's the 30 man roster now um yeah for this uh for the 60 games the uh so, what, what whatever they call it the taxi squad too yeah, oh, but yeah. in the taxi squad too exactly um but having uh having Luplo platoon with Naquin you you know my love for Tyler Naquin that's my guy he's a great that's player I like him too I, I I love him I think you know if he just, oh man! Before his injury, he his injury, he, was, he was he, he was, was figuring it out. He, he had really... finally figured it out, and I was so happy to see that for Naquin. You know, first round pick where you know I think it was like next pick Lucas Giolito was the pick. Um, so a lot of people, you know, last year probably could look and go like, oh, what it could have shoulda. And Naquin finally starting to, you know, we all knew he could hit. I mean, like he was just staying healthy. He was healthy. He was running the base pads while he was hitting the ball while he was in for a little bit more pop. I mean, you were starting to see a guy who was an everyday outfielder and was erasing a concern that the Indians had. And then he got injured, sadly, which, you know, forced our hand. Yeah, Yeah, it was a freak injury in left field. I mean, and and it's, you know, it's him playing left field where he really wasn't even playing majority of the year he was playing mm-hmm. right field until they they made the Yasiel uh, Puig trade yeah and it's just like man it's just I just it just it's sucks sad it, it, it sucks but you know what it seems like he's been motivated to get back I think one of the big things you can tell is how hard Naquin worked to get back mm-hmm. I think I think Naquin knew he turned the corner and oh, he sorry. he was so mad I bet that yeah, you know, I turned the corner offensively. I, I was he's pointing all together, and this happened. And according to what they said, uh, Tito talked to Naquin, and once that period was you know announced where they're not playing, Naquin worked even harder because he knew he could start he day could one. Yeah, yeah, is- and it's like I love guys with that fire, and I'm like, you want to what? You take over, kid. You want to what? Prove yourself. You know, do what you were doing last year. So, I'm and, happy for him. And I know it's a little insignificant, but the um, I saw a stat on Twitter. Somebody brought it up that if Tyler Naquin starts opening day, 
that'll be the first time the Indians will have a back-to-back, uh, the same guy playing right field in back-to-back years since 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 you chew from. Oh my God! I think oh, <laughs> think it was oh nine to two thousand eleven. He was the right fielder. Wow. wow, that's a stat for you. Yeah, just just wow. crazy. And like, I mean, I get it because Tito likes to mix and match with his guys, and n- no one opening day is the same as the other. But I mean, just thinking back, I think they had uh, El Monte out there one year. They had. Uh, yeah, Colin Cowgirl in right field yep. one year. It's just like man, and especially for a, a a super important position where you need you need a strong arm in right field, and you need somebody mm-hmm. who either if they're not going to hit for pow- power, you know, you need somebody hit for average at the yeah. very least. And they were basically running out the you know who who me or you in right field basically the equivalent of no, don't play me in right field. I don't play the outfield well. <laughs> But I'm the third baseman or second baseman. Oh wait, those are filled. Yeah, but it's just like it's just fun. It's just like, like man, if Nate. Yeah, I, and, and I think it's projected to a righty on the mound, uh, for the Royals. Yeah, versus so. a lefty. Yeah, so, I mean, good for. I mean, I don't mind the platoon idea either. Um, I could honestly see left field being the platoon with. You know, Lou Blow and uh, Domingo. Domingo. Yeah. yeah, I could see that being the it, the case where they try to play Lou Blow every day if he's healthy and, you know, hitting, hitting righties well. Um, you know, going through the rest of the lineup, I would assume, like, Domingo would be it's after that. Seventh, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we all know, we all know Tito likes his, you know, right, left, right. Especially yeah. with, the, with the new rule, the pace of play rule where you, yep. relievers have to go um, – you know, three batters minimum, which is yep. just, it's just stupid. I, I hate it. I think it takes this. I'm, I'm a purist for this. I love strategic baseball. I feel it takes a little bit away. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the rule goes away in time. I, I, I mean, I think there's a, there's a chance it goes away after this because it's almost like, a test. it's almost like a test, you know, this. I mean, it, it, a lot of these new rules, they're getting a test run where baseball can say, you want to what? Nope. Didn't work. Yeah, uh, we're not doing this. Yeah, which is so. just, like just imagine, you know, just hypothetically, just imagine like a playoff game it goes into extra innings. Don't and, get me started on this, K. You're baiting just, me. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it's just, no, it's, it's okay. It's, it's okay. It's, Go just, ahead. Just, just say it's ridiculous, and we'll move on to uh, Roberto. Perez you, 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 uh, you want to what? You want? I'm going Ken Carmen. I'm working myself into a okay. shoot right now. It is the dumbest thing on the face it's of the so earth. Dumb. I, I don't care. look. I love baseball as much as the next guy, but this is the most impure, you know, baseball move you can make. Like you're really sitting here telling me you're gonna start a guy at second base with nobody out. Like I get it, but that just to me sounds like we're desperate to move the game up. You know, uh, one of the more thrilling things in baseball is a game that does go 17 innings. Yeah, exactly. And it you know really what? is because you're like, oh, seriously, we're at this point again and we still can't score. And then when it finally happens, it's like, hey, yeah, we got finally it. Well, and, and, it's, yeah. and it's one of those things where it's like, if if you don't like watching an extra inning game, like like if you're if you're get if you're getting tired of watching a, a four hour game just just say it was four hours and it went to like the 10th or 11th inning i mean and and let's be real and let's be real you don't really care either 
you, you, and you let's be and yeah, let's be real on this. The majority of the fans that go to these games leave in about the eighth or ninth inning. Yeah. So Why are you speeding up the game for the ones that actually don't care how long it goes? Exactly. Exactly. That's my argument against it because if you look at these games, like I think there was like a 17 inning game last year, and there was literally no one in the crowd. But guess what? Those were the most passionate ones that were so happy when it was over and they got to see one of those really long games. The rest of them, they had long decided, you know, once the beer was stopped being served or they got to put the kids to bed, they're already out the door. It's the rest of them that don't care anymore that will go to the concession stand and say, you want to, can I just get a Diet Coke or whatever if you're serving that? Or can I get an ice cream or something if you're still serving that? I mean, those are the ones that they don't care. And I feel like, you know, in, again, I appreciate everything Manfred's trying to do. And I see what he's doing. The one thing I kind of feel a little jaded as a purist about is that, I feel like the ones that that love actually the game. that love the game wholeheartedly, like that don't care what you do, the game is perfect. Like the definition of the baseball documentary, those people, mm-hmm. I feel like those are kind of getting left behind for a more mainstream appeal, which I understand you have to compete with the NFL and, ML- and NBA. I totally get it. But but they're also you don't, but, but you don't want to lose the ones that wholeheartedly love the game. And those are the ones you don't want to alienate. Yeah, and it's like they're they're two different games. Like baseball mm-hmm. is is played at a pace. And yes. And I, I mean you and I both wholeheartedly agree um oh, what was, I had a point and I lost it. Um <laughs> damn it. But yeah. Sorry. No, 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 no. It was uh it was about I don't know whatever it was. Uh, if I remember how, uh, yeah, you can bring up later. Um, but yeah, it's just like these people. Oh, it it was the the real issue, not just going to games, but like watching it on TV. And it's not like just think of it as it's the commercials that that are really truly the issue. It's the commercials that are after every pitching change when they're um. You know, when they're... Uh, Those are the ones that are upset that, with the pace of play. They're the ones watching MTV. Right. I, but here's the I, thing. I, but here's the thing. What if, what if they had more of a, like, an NBA style where if it's a timeout and it's a 20-second screen. They, they they're not even a split screen. They just stay there and they have the, the, the people calling the game. That too. Just talking too. about the game and what's going to happen and explaining... You know, I know Hammy's done it on some broadcasts. Well, yeah. Well, Hammy does it a lot, but but it's Hammy does it all the time because they won't cut to a commercial all the time. Yeah, and they'll just let him rant about you know the. I love him. (laughs) Yeah, his rants. The most entertaining games are if the Indians are up or down big, and it's those last like two or three innings where it's just him and Rosie. He's the new Vince Scully. He's just roasting everybody. He, you know, he's roasting everybody. And and it's just so entertaining listening. But it's the the really the truly the issue is it's the commercials when you're watching it. It's yeah. It's that's why, it. Why is there commercials between the three pitching changes? So what what you are wanna know what I do, you wanna okay. know what I do during those? I actually pick a channel that has something decent on. 
I change to it for three minutes. I look at my clock, three minutes, change it back. That way I'm still entertained. I get we're a society where we're not patient. But but here's but, the thing. Here's the thing. Why yeah. even have those commercials all the time? Okay, do it once. It's an but, idea. But just instead of those commercials, just having, you know, Matt Underwood and Rick Manning just talk about the game and talk about the situation that's happening I'm not right against in front it. of you. Like they yeah, do not the, against like they it. do in the NBA where they'll just cut to the broadcast team and they'll they'll be discussing or they'll go over highlights about you know what was just happening and they'll recap other games. I want Andre not to do random interviews during those moments. That, that could, that could, they could do something like that too. You know, it, whatever. But it's call it's player really, over and have them pick on Andre. Yeah, Let's go. But, but it's really the, really the issue is, is the commercials in between every little pitching change. So what are they going to do instead of just not cutting commercials because they're obviously not going to do that because they're going to lose money. They're, oh, we're going to... But that, it's, remember, everything is a business now, right. okay? So, right. in exactly. fairness... Yeah, well, that, and, and I understand that, but it's, it's okay, still, you can I know. do it once, but, like, and you could still have the, the Cleveland Clinic call to the bullpen or whatever, but it's also, like, come on, like, let's... Like, you could, you don't have to cut to a commercial at every pitching change, especially if it's in the same inning, like... Like, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about what's happening now. And that's okay. And that's just my little rant. On yeah, it's, it's a little rant. Yeah. yeah. We, we both, we both, uh, fit off a little bit more. We could choose. So. Yeah. So, okay. We worked then, ourselves into a shoot. Yeah. Yeah. We did. We did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, going, going back to the lineup. Yes. At the top, Hernandez, J Ram, Lindor, Santana mm-hmm. at first, Reyes DHing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Naquin Luplo playing right field, Domingo Santana yep. uh, playing mm-hmm. left field, or even you know Mercado hitting seventh or, and, and in yeah. center field, and then having Roberto Perez hitting eighth, and uh, either Mercado or Bradley Zimmer Z- yeah. ninth. It's a, it's a balanced lineup. I think it's a very balanced lineup. It's a very solid lineup. Um, a lot better than it was projected. Uh, you know, to start the year when and we yeah. talked about. We briefly talked about that before we kind of, you know, ranted about a whole bunch of other stuff. But, um, yeah, you know, and and also having the, the extra players, you know, the Mike Freeman, he's going to uh, uh, Freeman and uh, Arroyo as utility players. Yeah, I love those both uh, as utility a switch, guys. A switch hitter in Sandy Leone as the backup catcher. Um, did, did they say, like, is, is he going to be a personal catcher for anybody? Do you know? I haven't heard anything. You, I haven't heard anything either. Um, yeah. So maybe it is just to save legs for for Roberto Perez. I mean, Sandy Leone's a solid, experienced catcher Without who's good at behind the plate. So you want to what? Save Roberto for a day or two. So yeah, exactly. Why and, not? And then you know you you still have guys like you know uh, Greg Allen in in the yeah. field. Uh, Delano De Shields. Who... You got speed to come off the bench. Exactly. You know? um, just trying to look at the. Who might make the the roster? Oh my goodness! Literally, but I, I would just say the team is is very well balanced from top to bottom in the lineup. On the bench, you have speed. You've got some bats you can pinch hit for. In you know, with your uh, platoon uh, plans, you can pinch hit guys in situations. Um, I mean, it's a it's a very well balanced team that looks to be, you know finding its stride now um, 
and seems to be ready to go. It's one of those. So, it's one of those teams where, where, in a burst, they can all go off, and yeah. that's exactly what they need because they're only playing yeah. sixty games. So if, if so, they get hot, if they got get hot early on, they get a little bit of a lead, and then maybe maybe it dies down a little bit. But if it ramps up at the end of September and they make a nice little playoff push, I mean this it's it's a very you you can make a comparison to this team in, in the twenty sixteen team that had no yeah real shot to to make the World Series. Yeah, and, and it, it very well could happen. I mean, you look at again all these teams. You know, you look at the Yankees. You look at the Rays. I mean, like. You even look at the Yankees. There is no guarantee in this 60-game season the Yankees are going to get out of that division because they got to play the NL East, which is very tough. For all we know, you know, Toronto or Tampa is going to stun them. Yeah. So it very well could happen that one of these teams, you know, um, wins the division. I mean, it goes for every division. I mean, I've refused, you know, in my head to project anything because it's like, I, this is just such a year that I, I give up. Like I I can't project this. Uh, You know, if you want to say it on paper, sure. We can say on paper, but even then in a 60 game season, throw it all out the window. Right. Because literally if you, if you get two sweeps, you're, you're, you're in, you're in a super great position. Yeah. So you just really, I mean, that's a 10th of your game. Yep. at least that you've just won yep. in two sweeps. Mm-hmm. So for any team, you know, they could start out hot and guess what? They could be right there in the playoff picture at the end of the year, even though no one had them there. Nope. For all we know, for all we know, the Marlins are winning the world series when they have no business potentially winning the business, the world series this year. I mean, it's one of those kinds of years where it could be like a 2003 where, and this is probably the closest I'm going to get to a projection. I'm going to go so far off the wall and say, I look at 2003 and say, the Marlins that year were extremely talented. Let's not lie. Mm-hmm. But they came literally out of nowhere. Right. And they won the wild card. They won the NL and they won the World Series. I sit here and say, that is the team that's like that is going to win the world series. I just don't know who that team is. I mean, I and think... I, re- I refuse to find out because I actually find this to be one of the more fun seasons ever, because I don't know who that team is. I'm just going to sit back, enjoy the season and find out who it is later. Well, I think that's why it, it, there's a, a legitimate argument to, uh, that can be made for for the Indians because they because they have the ta- because they have talent at a number of positions. They need obviously they're they're the young guys to you know step up. But but segueing to to the pitching on this team and and I know we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about the starting pitching, but you have Sh- Shane Bieber, Clevenger, and Carrasco. Just just those three are just super solid. You know what you're going to get with those guys yep. every game, every time they get the ball. Cervalli, I think the sky's the limit for that guy, especially when he I think I, I honestly would put Savali and Plesek both in that category. Well, I was, with, and I was just going to say, and with, then, uh, Plesek and, um, you know, if anybody gets hurt, you know, at worst, you, you throw out Adam Plutko every, you know, yeah. fifth day. 
or whatever. Like all six like, starters, you know exactly what you're getting ex- out of them. Exactly, you know. You exactly. So there's really there's really no question marks. It's yeah. Hopefully that the the one bad game that's gonna you know it's gonna happen to all these guys. Um, you just hope it doesn't you know come at a at a, at a yeah. bad time against the like the Twins or something, or it doesn't you know it doesn't happen multiple times because that would you know yeah really suck. And then like the bullpen that goes for every team in the oh, league. Yeah, of course, of course, and, and that's the if thing. If Garrett Cole has two bad outings, the Yankees could be in trouble. Well, just think that just like it's just hilarious because you brought up um, Garrett Cole getting thirty-five million. I mean, he's making he'll be making even if he if it was a full season, the average starter pitches what thirty-two, thirty-three games in the regular season. Yeah, that's more than a million dollars per start. <laughs> Every I love baseball. Like that is I love baseball. Which is which is why, like, I don't know, to 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 the point of, you know, just signing Lindor long term, at least you know you're gonna pen him in every single day at shortstop hitting. The the only the only position in sports that may make as much money as a pitcher making that is a punter in the NFL because they just stand there, kick a ball. No, 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 no. A backup quarterback makes way more. I mean, okay, I mean, that too. I mean, that Chase too. Daniels, I mean, Chase Daniels made a lot of money. Matt Flynn made. Chase Keenum is making seven million a year to hold Baker's clipboard. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, yeah, Case Keenum's getting paid seven million for the next three years to to basically God, Baker. That it's either that or be Luke Walton and and get paid seven million dollars for like Walton. three or four years to just sit on the bench. And then get traded to the Cavs and actually be a rotation player for a year. And, and then get fired from one job and get paid more for another. Yeah, it's just, it's just like literally those. Friend. It's just literally those. But going to like the 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 bullpen, which yeah, sorry, we 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 both know that how inconsistent bullpens can be, oh, and especially yeah. especially like especially now in sixty games, you know, stats go out basically go out the window. So yeah, you, oh for sure. But you but just looking at players with stuff like their their actual makeup you know we know what mm-hmm. brad hand is nick whitcomb yep. came out at super strong last year yep. i was super impressed by him oliver perez the savvy vet like we you you know, love him yeah i love him even though everybody oh well, he's a matchup lefty it's like do you not remember no he's him? not just like do you he's not never remember, been do you not remember him as a starter in uh in pittsburgh and a, he's always a, been both sides. He's always he, been both sides. It's just, matter. it's just he was more valuable based on the rules. So, yeah, a wash. Now, Adam Simber, can he get lefties out? I. It's possible. I mean, you know, side armors, some mariners are always, you know, tough to figure out. Um, he could figure it out. I do like Hunter Wood. Um, he, I saw him the other night against Pittsburgh. I'm watching this curveball, and I'm like. You didn't have this last year. No, and, and when he uh, did, it, it, was, it, was a little, it was a little flat. It was a little flat. But Yeah, and this one's like, uh, I might need to keep my eye on you, kid. And then, you know. Uh, I'm impressed. Then you have guys like uh, Holt, who's, um, you know, another set, another veteran arm that you could Hoyt, talk Yeah, Hoyt's uh, a good one. Uh, um, Matt and, he's solid. Uh, Apparently, uh, like looking at these projections, uh, uh, Phil Matten, uh, Cam Hill, 
But the guy yep. I'm super excited about. I know where you're you going. Know, and you know, you know how excited about it. I love about, him. Uh, about about my boy, uh, Karen Check. Karen Check's awesome. He oh is my God. lights out. He I mean, again, out. this is this is a guy who the Indians really worked on. Worked on his, you know, um, his delivery. Worked on his spin rate. Um, really, uh, apparently, according to numerous reports, really put in the work on this guy. Um, and he's not, I mean, they already knew he had a 98 mile per hour fastball. That curveball, though, oh is God. so electric. I mean, I remember first seeing Cody Allen arrive, and I, I remember going, like, Oh, this guy's good. You know, when I watched Karinchuk first time last year, I was like, This guy's special. special. This guy's real special. And then, it, when he comes back in 2021, you pair this guy with Emmanuel Classe. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Eighth inning, you're down. Good night. Yeah. You, you might as well pack it up and go. Oh, by the way, Brad Hand will probably still be under contract. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Those, Thanks for coming. Yeah. Those three. I mean, you, having basically an all-star closer relegated to either. I mean, you could. I, I feel like you could still have him at, as the closer, but I think it'd be more valuable as a team. Kind of I, I I believe in if you have like and... if you have a if you have two lefties and a righty you go with the lefty as the closer and a lefty righty setup in this setup personally this is just me being me you go righty righty uh, so righty closer righty setup and the lefty setup yeah I I I I wholeheartedly agree because so it's it, nothing against it, Brad Hand it's just no, no, you no. know but but it all but it, it mimics what they did in 2016 when they got Miller you know they had yeah. they had Brian Shaw they for the seventh they had Andrew Miller for the eighth or depending on the matchups they they throw in Cody they would Allen switch. in the they, eighth they would switch, yeah yeah and then they you know they put a uh, uh you know Miller in the yeah. ninth if if whatever the matchup said. And, yeah, uh, I mean, this bullpen is going to be interesting. I know you. no one's really talked about Nick Sandlin. Uh, I believe he's on the 60-man. Uh, he's a guy that could finally make his debut this year, who is a solid reliever, um, I think will be a contributing part of this team uh, for the next couple years. Um, the bullpen looking forward looks intriguing, um, you know, as we go forward in time. But this year, um, I think it's just going to be solid. Um, possibly good. I mean, again, you never know what you're going to get with relievers. I mean, you know, a couple years ago, Oliver Perez, I would argue, was one of the top five relievers in baseball because he just he got everyone out. Right. Like every time I watched him, he just got everyone out. There was once a time that Brian Shaw was, I would argue, the best setup man in baseball. Right. And you know, age and you know, time and innings catches up to all of us. I mean, even so, even at Cody Allen last year yeah same thing. i mean tito literally just threw his arm off no no fault i mean i mean i mean if you look at the velocity charts that's an argument that's an argument there yeah. so but, but, for sure but but I, I i'm not you know disparaging tito for using them because you're going to use your oh no player. no no we went to a world series we were one run away yeah. from a world series yeah exactly and so, I mean, I'm, I'm not even mad about that either. And I mean, I'm even a little surprised that they didn't even call back, you know, Brian Shaw after he got uh, uh, released from Colorado. Yeah. Just knowing that, you know, he was with the Indians for a long time. They know him. They, I would just, it would seem that they would, 
I don't know. It would make sense, but either way, it, it doesn't matter. But then again, like if they bring in Brian Shaw, I I feel like it's like, oh, well, we could send down Karen Check and, you know, so he doesn't accumulate X amount of days for a service time and kind of do that manipulation. It's just like, oh, my goodness. All right, for the uh, last segment, Alex, I know you've been uh, kind of chomping at the bit. We've we've been, uh, you know, debating the potential Frankie Lindor trades. Um, <laughs> and I know you're I know you're all about like looking at every all these other prospects and and through you know all these the tw- other 29 uh, systems so i'll just let you go nuts and explain yeah. some potential deals um with certain teams uh just go on go go on yeah ahead. i'll let you know um that. so first first things first i don't want to trade frank oh yeah i, 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 I want to make that, that i want to make that so clear yeah i don't said want that a few times already i i have never wanted to do like any trade scenarios but i get so many requests from people that throughout the years have said alex what do you think a trade would look like um so i thought one and only time i will do this just for fun because everybody knows i research like crazy in fact my prospect handbook from baseball america is literally sitting right next to me as we speak that's how much i study this stuff um so I thought, okay, I'll do it for Kay, you know, because I this is a podcast I never thought would happen. So we're going to do it special occasion. Why not? Hell yeah. So, let's go. First things first. I know the million dollar question. New York Yankees. Never going to happen. I would never think the Indians would do it unless if Jason Dominguez is involved. Give me the Martian all day, every day. That kid's going to be a superstar. If you don't know him yet, you will know him soon. This kid is the real deal. Like, they call him the next Mickey Mantle for a reason. Because I think he is. Like, five-tool, elite power potential, like, center fielder. He's going to stick there. That would be the only guy I'd really think about it. And I, it, it could be something that could backfire, but I don't think it will. And that's just a starting point. That's just it. That. You have to give me a lot more, New York, to even mm-hmm. make me justify it. But let's get to reality. I think the Indians are going to look if they do this. Um, because I don't even think it's a long shot. I, I don't think it's a long shot that they keep him throughout his contract. Because if you look at all the good teams in baseball, they have a shortstop already. I mean, I don't think a trade happened this offseason simply because the demand wasn't there. Like, the closest thing I thought that could happen is Atlanta, you know, saying, Hey, here's Dansby Swanson, couple of our prospects. Let's do this. And it wasn't enough. And the Dodgers make sense, but I doubt that happens um, because they have so many good prospects. I think the ones that would set them apart, they're not willing to part with. Um, you look at the Mookie Betts trade. I mean, they gave up Jeter Downs, who is a very good prospect. Alex Verdugo, who's already in the majors, and uh, Connor Wong, who is a middle-of-the-road uh, prospect. He enters in the Boston's top 10 because Boston doesn't have the deepest farm system in the world. Um, but those are three solid players, but they're not elite prospects. I would say Downs could be, but I, I need to see another year from him before I proclaim that out of him. Uh 
let's go to reality. I actually sent Kay, you know, a top three uh, most likely destinations if it were to ever happen. And I went as far as giving top five prospects that you could see in a deal. And I even threw in two other teams just for fun. Um, so number three is Atlanta. Um, I still think with Dansby Swanson there um, and him being a former number one pick, he's a great defender. Don't get me wrong. Solid base running, solid bat. If they don't win it this year or they're in it, but they feel they need something, Lindor could be on the radar. It's an upgrade of what they have. Um, Guys that I think you could see in a trade. I mean, one of these five would have to be a centerpiece, I'd guess. Uh, Number one, uh, Austin Riley, who's on the major league team now. Uh, I think the big question with him is where does he play? Uh, I think he's going to be more of a first baseman going forward, uh, but Freddie Freeman's there. Um, If the National League adopts DH, he might fit in a lot better in Atlanta um, going forward. Um, But I've always compared him to Troy Gloss. Uh, I think he's power or nothing um, with a solid arm. So, you know, he's a solid player, maybe a centerpiece, something you can build in the middle of your lineup. Uh, I'm going to save the second one I wrote for last because he's my favorite of the group. Drew Waters, uh, he's a solid five-tool player. Uh, he's a table star guy. You want at the top of the lineup. He's ready right now. Comparison, Grady Sizemore. You know, he just does everything well. He doesn't wow you in a category, but he just does everything so well. And I'm not trying to knock Grady here because Grady was a great talent. But Grady just did everything well. I don't think he was elite in one area. He was just good at everything. Mm-hmm. And that's why we love them. Yeah. Uh, Shay Longleers, an elite defensive catcher. Think Roberto Perez with more bat potential. Like Roberto Perez has a great bat now, but think more bat potential with this kid. Um, it, he could be ready in about a year or two. I mean, he's going to win gold gloves in the majors has developed his offensive game the past couple of years. He's a great player, great guy to build around. Um, Ian Anderson, uh, starting pitcher. He's got a plus fastball and secondary stuff to go with it. Command might be still a little bit of a concern, but he's young, but he has frontline starter potential. The guy I want from Atlanta, Christian Pache, the best defensive outfielder in the minors without question. He's going to win gold gloves for the next decade. This guy is a great, great talent. Great leader in the clubhouse. Great personality. Um, His bat has improved every year. He is going to be a leadoff guy that can steal bases, hit home runs for you. Think basically Ronald Acuna, the uh, leadoff version of him. Not as much power, but more speed. That's the best way I can put him. Um, so that's Atlanta for you. I think they're number three, number two. And I almost want to put them at number one, but there's a team that I think may do it more. But number two right now is the Mets with their potential new ownership. They may want to make a splash and all bets will be off. So you have to look at the entire Mets, uh, farm system, which all due respect to the Mets isn't the greatest in the world, but it's it's solid. There's some good pieces. Uh, Brett Beatty, the third baseman, uh, Lake Travis High School graduate, 
Get him here with Baker. That'll make him happy. <laughs> uh, power hitting lefty, uh, patient hitter, um, good defender plus arm. He'll stay at third base. Um, he won't hit 300, but he'll hit probably 25, 30 home runs as time goes on. Uh, and the more important thing is he has the arm to stick at third base. So you can kind of build around that going forward. Uh, Matthew Allen, starting pitcher, prototypical size, great stuff, power arm. They signed him away from Florida uh, in the third round last year. He was a first-round talent. He has lived up to that billing. The guy is a front-line star. He's at least a two or three, probably an ace in the making. Uh, Andres Jimenez, uh, for you MLB, the show fans like myself, you should know who he is. Uh, He's their uh, future star in the game. Uh, in their team affinity, uh, just to do a little bit of MLB The Show talk for a second. Uh, but he's a great defender, good speed, solid hitter. He's more MLB ready, but he's not the best shortstop prospect they got, and I'll get to him in a second. The uh, fourth one is Josh Wolf, a pitcher, prototypical height, could add more bulk to him. Uh, he's got a plus fastball, plus curveball, good command. He's projecting to a frontline starter uh, for me as well. Uh, the number one guy I need in any Frankie Lindor trait is Ronnie Mauricio. He's a shortstop, switch hitter. Um, he is a mill-the-order bat, and he has the arm to stick at shortstop. He will develop into a fielder. My comparison, think of switch hitting Gleber Torres. And that wouldn't be bad to get back for Frankie Lindor if you were to trade him. Now we come to my number one team, and everybody's probably thinking, oh, God, it's got to be the Dodgers. It's got to be the Dodgers. Yeah, you're kind of right. And now everybody's saying, oh, God, must be the Padres. Must be the Padres. Yeah, you're getting closer. It's the Arizona Diamondbacks. After them signing uh, Madison Bumgarner, I'm starting to wonder if they're going to go for it. Um, If they start out hot, Robbie Ray is going to be a free agent. Do they try to keep him happy and keep him on board and do they just go for it this year and they have the prospects to do it i'll get to the number one guy i want later but i'll start with the others alec thomas outfielder good hitter defender solid speed he lacks power and arm strength think andrew benatendi solid player you can play him every day in left field um geraldo uh, perdomo He's a shortstop, smart hitter, great defender, solid speed. Uh, good contact will need to improve as a hitter, but he might add some pop. I've compared him to uh, Mondesi with the uh, with the Royals. Um, probably not as much speed, maybe a little bit more power than Mondesi. So, but he's good too. Uh, J.B. Bukowskis, the starting pitcher. He might be more of a reliever, though, in the future. He's got great stuff, lacks control, though. Uh, he dominated first two years, struggled last year. He might be suited for the bullpen in the long run. Uh, Blake Walston, very intriguing guy here. 6'5", guy, uh, good fastball, plus curve, clean delivery. In the comparison I've heard because of his fastball, curveball uh, difference, Barry Zito, a little bit blast from the past. Oh, hell yeah. And I'm like... Ooh, I loved Barry Zito, MVP uh, Baseball 2005. That was my guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
and he's got good control of the stuff too. So that's another guy that you're looking at going like, ooh, that's an interesting player right there. The last one, just because he would fit so well in Cleveland, Seth Beer. If they make a trade with Arizona and <laughs> Seth Beer is not in the deal, I will cry for numerous reasons. Number one, all the promotions you can make with this guy. All of them. Just give me all the beer nights. All of them. Um, but he's a DH. Flat out DH. Good power, good contact, smart hitter at the plate. Easiest comparison I've ever made for a player, Travis Hafner. I mean, would you want Travis Hafner in his prime back on this team? It could be Seth Beer, and he's got the greatest last name in baseball. Want a beer? Yeah, well, <laughs> um, but the number one guy I want, Christian Robinson from Arizona, five-tool outfielder. He is one of my favorite prospects in baseball. Um, he is a Ronald Acuna, period. He is Ronald Acuna right now. That's how good I think he can be. And if you're telling me I'm getting Ronald Acuna back, I love Frankie Lindor. Ronald Acuna is right up there with Lindor among my favorite players in baseball. I mean, gosh, if you're telling me I can build a team, you know, in a hypothetical rebuild scenario with that. Yeah. You know, and I'm also looking at these trades too, as it's a two, three year rebuild before we're ready. So I am looking at the lower levels more so than guys who are ready. Now, just to appease everyone, I did throw the Dodgers and Padres in here. With the Dodgers, I made it fun. I could not throw Dustin May or Gavin Lux in negotiations in any you know situation. So I went and looked at other players. Michael Bush, a second baseman, may not stick there. Good hitter, fringy speed and arm strength. He's probably more of a first baseman. If he can stick at second, that bat will make him extremely valuable going forward for any team. Uh, Cody uh, Hoist, uh, he's a third baseman, prototypical size, strong right-handed bat, good arm. He'll stay at third base. Uh, DJ Peters, outfielder, he's 6'6", good athlete. Um, he's got power, doesn't hit for a lot of contact, but I've heard a lot of Jason Worth comparisons because of size, athletic ability, and power. Um, he'd be fun to have. Uh, Josiah Gray. Uh, a lot of people may know him as being very close to the majors, one of the top prospects in baseball. Plus fastball, good secondary stuff, command of all of his pitches, good athletic ability. was a former shortstop. Uh, repeatable delivery, he could be a frontline starter. And my favorite prospect to get on the Dodgers is a catcher by the name of Diego Cartea. No one really talks about him. They talk about Kybert Ruiz. Y'all need to start looking at Diego Cartea. This guy is going to probably be a better defensive catcher, and he provides almost the same offensive ability as Ruiz does. I've heard Salvador Perez comparisons, and when I watch some of him, I can kind of see it. I can see it happening. With the Padres to end this, uh, obviously we all know who Taylor Trammell is. You know, We've talked about him for years with other trades. Uh, we all know what he's capable of. Uh, Michael Baez, a 6'8 reliever. You, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, Karinchek, uh, Classe, you put Baez in that group. Seventh inning, good night, everybody. Just go mm -hmm. home. Go home, it's over. 
Um, Luis Patino. This guy's a future ace. Future ace. He may be undersized, but he has got a an electric fastball, a plus slider, two secondary pitches to go on top of that. And he's got control of all of it. This guy is going to be an ace coming up. Uh, Luis Campusano, a uh, catcher, plus arm behind the plate, okay defender. Um, great hitter, though. He's got power potential. He's got 20, 30 homer power potential, I think. Uh, patient hitter, he drew as many walks as he struck out last year. That's That's saying something. And the number one guy, I've said it from day one. I Since the day he was drafted, I loved him. I knew there was no way we could get him. He was the fifth overall pick. C.J. Abrams. I will go as far as saying this, and this is my high regard to C.J. Abrams. He is the next Frankie Lindor. Outside of Wander Franco of the Rays. And here's why. He won't have the power of Frankie. He'll have more speed than Frankie. He plays the game the exact same way, and he is just that darn good. He dominated last year in the minors. And I I mean, like, if you're looking for a guy, like if you were to trade Frankie hypothetically, oh, God, that's just the perfect fit. Like, just have him come up with the young guys when they all arrive. Let's just get back to work, you know. But, again, these are all hypotheticals. These are all, you know, guys that I'm a fan of, you know, it's not to say that, you know, the front office may even be a fan of them or they might be able to do something better than me, which honestly with this front office, they probably would do something better than Mm -hmm. me. I mean that, I mean the Bauer trade as much as I, I love Bauer. I personally thought he was a phenomenal pitcher, you know, regardless of what you think of his antics, it's a breath of fresh air in the game. Oh, without a doubt. Um, So, I loved them, and I loved them being on our team. It sucked, but I will say, I, I think nobody really lost the trade. But I, I love the trade for our side, mm-hmm. and you know, I kind of look back at that trade. I was like, really, with like how much time we had with Bauer and every wow, they did better than I thought. So honestly, knowing the front office, because I thought they were going to get like Logan Allen, maybe another pitching prospect, and that. And another guy. And they just get all this arson. So knowing my luck, they're going to find a way to just swindle the Dodgers and say, yeah, we want Gavin Lux. And yeah, you're going to give it to us. And they're like, you want to what? No, we'll give you Gavin Lux, Josiah Gray, Diego Cartea, everything you want. And I'll just sit back and say, you want to what? This is why I'm not, this is why I'm not GM. This is why I don't do it. So you know what? All hail our GM overlords. <laughs> our front office here in Cleveland, they'll get it done. I'm sure. Uh, if they, if that comes to pass, but I will say this again, there is a good chance Frankie Lindor will be the shortstop for the Cleveland Indians in 2021. Yeah. I, I, I just look at every team and honestly, there are three teams that I list as my top three that have a need for shortstop that may have the motivation to make a move and might have the prospects to do it. And the key word there is might. To trade a guy like Frankie is unprecedented in today's game. We can look at the Manny Machado trade, and I, I think Manny Machado is a great player. 
but I don't think he reached the level Frankie's at no, in his career. So all due respect to Machado, who I think is a top 20 player in the game, arguably, simply because he's just that good of a defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his bat makes up for anything else he may mess up on the field, um, which is rare. But it's it's hard for me to think you can compare the two trades because Frankie just is at our level. He's been to a World Series. He helped us get to a World Series. He's had clutch moments, you know, where, you know, I, I don't know all of Manny Machado's career. I'm sure he's had big clutch moments. I just don't remember them off the top of my head. And maybe it's my bias being an Indians fan, but I just don't remember them. So I apologize to Manny Machado. Well, I think, well, uh, I, think there's a, I think there's a point of when Baltimore traded him. Mm-hmm. Well, it was half a season. It too. was ha- number one. It that- was half the season. Number two, they were, they were done regardless. Like a- after, yeah. after the, you know, was it 20, was it, 2015 or 2016 it was 2018 they traded they traded him, him but know. i think really like they were done after they were done after 2016 yeah 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 so yeah because yeah, that, that's but, when new york and and boston boston re-rose from the ashes and yep yeah yeah the one thing i would say is if you're looking for a trade as a fan to base something off of the closest thing I can offer you is the Chris Sale trade. Look at that trade. It's different because Sale had, I think, two years of control on him or three uh, when the deal was struck. I think it was two because it was 2017. It was after 2016 they did it. Um, so 2017 they did it. Then they won 18 and re-signed him. Um, so the Chris Sale trade would be the closest where they got – Michael Kopech, Joan Moncada, and others from the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Now, you take in the fact that it was two years. I'm going to assume Frankie will be an Indian for this year. Um, so you're looking at one year. So maybe you'll get one of Moncada, Kopech, and you'll get the other pieces too. So and what I presented is the trait kind of exists. But again, it's Frankie Lindor. Right. I don't know if you could ever put a price tag on that guy. And I don't think any trade that would ever be made will equal what Frankie Lindor has meant to this team and has meant to this city. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I hope to God that a trade is, isn't made and Frankie Lindor says, Oh, you want to know what? I like this deal. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to stay Cleveland Indian. And we find ways to improve our team in other ways that offset the contract extension. And we win a World Series. That That's my hope. Mm-hmm. I want Frankie to see it through. In fact, I tell this story all the time. When I met him in 2017, it was about a month after the playoffs. I ran into him at the airport. So nice. You know, I, I, I look at him like, Francisco? And he's like, yeah, what's up, man? I was like, oh my God, Frankie, what's up, dude? And we're talking for a minute and I, I get my photo with him and I said, dude, I'm still heartbroken over the Yankees. And he's like, yeah, me too, man. He said, you want to know what? I promise you, dude, we get them again. We're going to beat those Yankee bastards. I'm like, my dude, mm-hmm. I, 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 can, I can hug you for that statement right there. Like, you get me, bro. So like, as much as I talk about trade, I'm just showing you what I'm looking at, 
I love Frankie Lindor. I don't want him to go anywhere. And I don't think anyone in that building wants him to go anywhere because of what he's done, I think more so off the field for the Indians than what he's done on. Mm-hmm. Because he is such an amazing ambassador to the game. And for the fact he wears that Cleveland uniform is just so great. And I, I would just sit here and say, you know, I know a couple people in that building. And I bet you if I asked him right now, it would say, no way do we want to ever lose him. No way. Because he's such a great ambassador. And guess what? He's our ambassador. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is what it is. The game is what it is. We'll see how it all goes. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If he resigns, everyone, you want to know what? I just say this. If he resigns, parade. Yeah, without McNeil, McNeil, if you hear this ever, regardless of what my thoughts were of the 0-16 parade, you want to, I think you should throw a Frankie resigning parade if it happens. You should do it. I don't know why not. What do you think, Kay? I'm I'm all about it. I mean, that that's a win of itself, you know what I mean? I mean, like, McNeil, do it. Oh, <laughs> Make this statement, a baby. Of, look, a lot of people would do it. A lot of people would. They, I just want our parade. Yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully it coincides with a with the championship. Well, that too, but you want to, we'll do, we'll, we'll just throw two parades, one for Frankie re-signing and one for the championship. How about that? Uh, look, and any, any excuse to have a parade, I'm, I'm all for it. After, after, <laughs> after the coronavirus calms down though, after the coronavirus calms down. Well, obviously, obviously we'll wait until Rona, you know, slows down. Finally, we get a vaccine, but you know, but, it is uh, what it is. yeah, it is what it is. So. I think that's about it. Yeah, I think we covered everything. We went, I think, close to almost two hours, which is actually yeah, what we're, I expected. We're, 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 we're crazy. <laughs> yeah. we're, we just nerd out and we start ranting. And then I know, and you, it's, and I know you start ranting. And I know you haven't really, you know, you, you, you haven't really done this in a minute. So no, you, I haven't. It, so I'm, I'm sure you had some built up, you know. It's not even just built up. It's just like, it, well, I think it's more built up trying to paint the picture for everyone to see, right? you know, because again, I'll, I'll end with this, you know, being out of the game and trust me, there are days where with Rona going on, I want to come back, mm-hmm. but I know what my show would be. And I don't want it to be that. I don't want to talk. I love the Indians. I don't want to talk Indians, right? Because I've enjoyed painting the entire picture, seeing both sides and not picking one mm-hmm. because I'm a fan at heart. But I also trust our front office because on paper, who wouldn't trust it? Yeah, exactly. That makes so sense. it's like, I'm not going to question either side. You have a right to be mad about things, but they have a great track record of fixing things. So mm-hmm. we all thought it was all doom and gloom when we traded Cliff Lee and Victor Martinez. And we were one run away from winning a gosh darn World Series. I'm fairly certain that if Frankie Lindor was traded... This front office will figure it out and we'll be right back in that position in a couple years. Well, I have all the confidence in the world. Well, even to your point, you know, they're still uh, reaping the, the the benefit of the Bartolo Colon deal. They are. With, with Carlos Carrasco. So seven, it's like... Seven, seven squares of Bartolo Colon. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's just, it's it's 
I love it's, it. It's crazy, but you know, like to your point, and I'm I, the people that they have running the front office, I, I have no reason not to trust them. The what's what's difficult, and I won't put you in any you know position to take sides, but it's it's I, the. I know what I know. I know what you're gonna say, and here, here's my only thing I will say. I have had the pleasure of meeting Mark Shapiro. I said this earlier. Yeah. I have to believe through meeting Mark Shapiro that the environment he built comes from the top. And the people I've met through Mark there, I have to believe it comes from the top. So the reason why, as a fan, I don't pick a side even on that is the fact that from meeting Mark and seeing the environment he's created and left and getting to know people there, you know, when I was a broadcaster and had him on my shows, Mm -hmm. I I'm left here to say that it starts from the top. So I can't pick a side on it because I actually am one of the minorities that say the environment there apparently from my getting to know people is a very good environment. And I, 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 and I don't, and here's the thing. And I don't think it's, it's really the environment. It's just like, man, if they could just, just a, add a little bit more money into the, the, into the payroll, just to, it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. And that, that, I mean, literally as a fan, and this is the other greatest thing I've learned about not doing broadcasting anymore it's out of my control. Yeah. There is nothing me, there is nothing me as a fan who goes to, I try to go to five games a year. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I can do as a fan that can control it. Right. What I can do is look at the whole situation. I see the front office always figures it out. Yep. I'm sure they got someone lined up for whenever Tito's ready to call it quits, mm-hmm. which that'll be a sad day. But you know, we know it's going to come at some point. I mean, I mean, and, I mean, there's probably a reason Sandy Elmore isn't a manager somewhere. Who knows? We'll figure that out in time, I right. guess. Yeah. But I look at the whole thing and I say, you know what? The money thing's out of my control. Yeah. It, yeah. You like know, you said, I, it is what and, it is. And you want to what? we complain about the Browns so much going through front offices. You want to know what? I'm kind of in this real small minority saying, you want to know what? It's kind of good that we have this environment where we trust each other and we're winning together and we're Mm -hmm. finding ways to rebuild when we have to. Right. And, you know, I'm just going to sit back and say, out of my control, I don't care what anyone says. You can criticize me and whatever. I'm looking at the whole picture. Right. That's and, all and I that's, see. And that's extremely fair. So, so two hours in, Alex, you yeah. want to plug your Twitter? Where, where people yeah, at, you? at the CLE Sports Guy. Uh, I am the official advocate for my client, Baker Mayfield. Also, Pat Mahomes, Jared Goff as well. Our touchdown alliance, as we call it. And I'm also the uh, the the speaker of the gospel at the fictional First Church of Sashi. May Sashi be with you. Oh, 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 God. <laughs> he on that... rose on the, his spirit rose on the third year in his follower, Andrew Barry, to lead the Browns to the promised land. I'll end you with that. I, I don't think I could, 
say anything else. So thank you for listening to this episode of Crunch Time with Caitlin. You can find me on Twitter at Caitlin Knows C-L-E. That's Caitlin, K-A-T-E-L-I-N, Knows, K-N-O-W-S, C-L-E. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode.